Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Welcome to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is R.J. Bell. That's right. College basketball dream preview edition back after a week hiatus. All at the fault of me, Brad Powers. One of those podcast times I was in Miami. The other, we just couldn't work out schedules due to me having an early meeting on Monday. We're back at it, though, here, previewing the upcoming weekend slate of games. And i got to be perfectly honest with you. I am more excited about the upcoming matchups as far as marquee matchups and college hoops. It's probably the best weekend we've had so far, at least in the last month or so, of college hoops. And we'll, we'll see if there's any separation between a lot of good teams and maybe some teams start getting more in that great category. AJ Hoffman joins me as always. You can follow him on Twitter at AJ is the real. He's down in Houston. AJ, how was uh, last week? I haven't talked to you in a while. Uh, you know what? I was glad that we didn't do podcasts because I, <laughs> I pretty much sucked. So, uh, and then the, the, when we when we gave out picks from uh, Essler, McKenzie, and myself, I think we went zero for three. Uh, you you had taken the week off, and and uh, Sleepy took the the week off. So, um. It, that was just the only three picks we gave out, and they they all lost. So, not great. We need you to uh, to come back and, and fix everything. <laughs> well, I wouldn't have been much better because premium picks for me not not so good, especially over the weekend. Uh, I would have given out uh, best bet on Saturday, and uh, best bet would I'm just trying to. It would have been on BYU, and they won but did not cover against St. Mary's. So yeah. I wouldn't have helped, been able to help you guys. But since we're talking best bets. Uh, 25 and 18 right now is the total. If you combine McKenzie's, Esler's, Sleepy's, mine, and AJ's, 25 and 18 is the record on best bets, 58%. Uh, if you don't think that's good, I'll do, I can say this. Uh, if I could guarantee myself 58% starting today, uh, for the next 20 years, I would retire a very, 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 very (laughs) rich man. So 58%, not too shabby. Uh, and we got best bets galore coming at your way here, including uh, one from AJ on a Friday. So we're going to actually have you covered with best bets on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday as far as hoops action. McKenzie's the one leading the way here. Five and one. Five and one McKenzie is on best bets. He's got an NBA best bet coming your way on Saturday. But before we talk, Best bets before we talk games. I got to hear from my main man, Mr. Ric Flair. Showtime! Woo! All right. Before we get to AJ's best bet, which is an Ivy League action Friday night, we do have a nice ranked matchup in the Big Ten. It will be number nine, Maryland, at number 20, Illinois. We'll project the, the Fighting Illini to be about a one point home favorite. Your total right around 131. You can check this one out, 8 p.m. Eastern on FS1. AJ, you have a like on the home team here. Yeah, uh, no surprise. I've liked Illinois all year. I'm going to keep liking them here. And uh, this game is is basically it'll decide who the outright leader in the Big Ten is now that Michigan State had a loss. Uh, Illinois has had a full week off since they last played. Maryland, 
just played a really physical game with Rutgers. Uh, and the first time these two teams played, Illinois was really running Maryland out of the gym, and they Illinois let them back in it. And Maryland was down 15 in the second half. They came back and won on a, a wild shot by Cowan. And the Terrapins led for a total of 27 seconds in that game, and they won it against Illinois. The biggest difference between two months ago and now has been Io DeSumo basically emerging as a star. And in the Maryland game, he was 4 for 12, 9 points. Since that game, he's averaging 16.5 points a game. And I mentioned Anthony Cowan for Maryland. He put up 20 in that game for Maryland. His road splits are not good. He's a 39% shooter for the season, 30% on the road. 34% three-point shooter, 30% on the road. I look at these two teams as pretty even in my ratings. So I think just giving up one point for home court advantage, especially in the Big Ten this year, I think I'm getting pretty good value. I also, as you know, prefer the Illinois head coach, uh, Maryland, their four toughest road games this season, they've lost them all outright. And, and Illinois' only home loss was to Miami, who just happened to shoot the lights out that day. Shot 10 of 18 from three, way over their heads. Every Illinois conference game, uh, every Illinois home conference game but one, and that was a Northwestern game, has gone under. So yeah. I'm a lean on the under, but I like Illinois to win this game. You get an agreement from me, lean on Illinois and the under for me. Uh, I think... You know, good spot for Illinois. I mean, they, they were playing, I, I thought, the best uh, out of any team in the Big Ten for quite a, a long stretch. So they had a seven-game winning streak. That goes down on Sunday. They've had almost an entire week to get ready for this one. Now it's Maryland, that, that hot team. Uh, that's won five straight games entering this one. you got two similar teams as far as defense, both in the top 30. Both run a below-average tempo. Now we've been talking about, hey, Big Ten home team's really good. One thing we haven't talked about is the unders been the play here, especially recently in these Big Ten games, as they become increasingly more important. As we, uh, you know, a lot of teams are playing themselves uh, into the tournament, and a lot of teams in the Big Ten are actually playing themselves onto the NCAA tournament bubble. Uh, a lot of teams have slowed down the tempo here. The unders 14 4 and 1, the last 19 Big Ten conference games. I'm going to also call for it here in a very tight game. Go down to the wire. Lean on Illinois. Lean on the under for me. Any closing thoughts, AJ? That's it. All right. We're going to stay in Friday action. We're going to go a little off script here. Not one of the bigger games of the weekend, but it will be one of the most important ones for us here on the College Basketball Dream Preview. It is none other than AJ Hoffman, who has a best bet. He's going... To the Ivy League. Is this the first time we've ever had an Ivy League best bet in a couple of years you and I have been doing this? Uh, no, because Uh-oh. I had an Ivy League best bet when you were off. Uh, so that was my best well, that bet. And it was count. Are you kidding me? And you guys a, did a podcast? Well, yeah, and it was a uh, right. it was a loser. So I'm uh I'm I'm hoping <laughs> that we we buck the trend here. Did you get Blossom? Uh, yeah. hold, hold on. Did you get Blossom played before? No, no. I I just wrote it up and and posted it in the in the forums well, yeah, and that, on Twitter then, because I mean I, it counts, but it's not like official official. Let, let's make it official with you know Blossom leading the way here on your Ivy League best bet. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Fire up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. Go, AJ. Now you can lay out your best bet on Friday night. Yeah, so uh, when I gave out my best bet last week when you were off, I gave out uh, Yale minus 16 and a half 
against Cornell, and they ended up winning by 15 after a really slow start to the game. I, I, I just thought, you know what, Cornell is so bad compared to the rest of this Ivy League. And, um, you know, sometimes you you lose one and you're scared to get back on the horse, but I'm getting right back on the horse, and I'm going back to fading Cornell. And this time I'm doing it with Princeton. Princeton minus two. I don't have as much of a number to cover. Um, at Cornell three and seven against their spread against the spread in the last 10 versus division one competition Princeton on the other hand seven and one straight up and against the spread in their last eight they started the season one and seven straight up two and six against the spread and Princeton's really kind of figured something out four and0 oh in Ivy League play and not against just the the dredges you know not not against Columbia they've got two wins against Penn and a win against Harvard uh they've Princeton has bad season-long metrics, uh, particularly on defense. But if you click over to what they've done in conference play, Princeton ends up being one of the better defenses in, in the in the league. They, in, on offense, they're second in efficiency, second in effective field goal percentage, second in three-point percentage, first in two-point percentage. Cornell in those same categories defensively, eighth, sixth, eighth, sixth. And then on defense, Princeton second in efficiency, first in effective field goal percentage allowed, and first and three-point percentage defense. So Princeton playing a lot better ball right now. And another problem, Princeton's got a guy named Richmond Araguzo. It's not easy for me to say. But uh, they Cornell just doesn't have a big man to match up with this guy. And uh, pardon me, Princeton 13-2 and straight up the last 15 against Cornell, 12-3 and against the spread. The average margin of victory, 16.5 points per game. So I think we're getting on... We're getting a tight number because of Princeton's early season struggles, but the way that they've been playing lately, Tigers should roll over what I think is the worst team in the conference in Cornell. Best bet, Princeton minus two against Cornell. I also like the under if, you, uh, if you're if you looking for a secondary play on that. All right. I don't have much to add on that one. Good handicap there, AJ. I'll be rooting for you. Maybe I'll put a little pizza money on that one myself, as we sort of say here. Again, AJ's best bet, Friday night action, Princeton. Minus two. Is that line? I'm looking here. That line isn't out yet, is it? No, it won't be until later this evening. Yeah, you're right. All right. Let's move along to Saturday here. SEC action. Again, we got a lot of great matchups here, several ranked-on-ranked matchups. We just talked one with Maryland-Illinois. Here's another one here. I don't think, actually, though, either team should be ranked. I think both teams are overrated. I'm talking about number 18. Not even ranked? I, I mean... Record says they should be. I'll have to go through my power ratings and update them here. I haven't updated them in, in a week. I, I think either team, I, I can safely say this, I don't think either team is going to be in my top 20. So just put it that way. But both are ranked okay. in the top 20 of the AP poll. We'll see. <laughs> LSU probably won't be after what happened to them last night against Vanderbilt. Number Unbelievable. Eight, that is one of the biggest head-scratching finals in college basketball this year, and there's been over 4,000 college basketball games played already. Number 18, LSU, Saturday, at number 11, Auburn. We'll call Auburn. I had to adjust the power ring because that was such a shocker last night. Auburn, a a 4.5-point home favorite, total 154. Noon tip time on ESPN on Saturday. You like the total here, AJ. Take it away. Yeah, I I like the uh, the over in this matchup and if you've if you've been paying much attention it, there's a both these teams are playing a lot of overs Auburn specifically um it, this is a it, LSU 6-2 and 1 to the over in SEC play 
4-0 and to the over on the road by an average of 27 points per game. That's what they've beat the closing total by. So when when LSU goes on the road, they just the defense goes out the window, as you saw last night where they played a game with Vanderbilt in the 90s, the Vanderbilt team that we won one of our best bets on this year playing the under because they don't have Aaron Neesmith, so they don't have an offense, but they had their way with LSU's defense last night. So uh, I, I think that LSU is in a spot where they're going to have to come out and, and play well um, if they want to keep up. Auburn scored 75-plus in their last five games. You're, you're going to have to see a, a lot of scoring out of both these teams to keep pace, I think. The Vandy game just really sent up red flags for me. It totally, I had to throw my handicap out the window for this game and it, because that's just such a head-scratching thing. Vanderbilt hadn't won a conference game since March of 2018. Yep. I mean, years. we're talking you're you're going way back to them beating Ole Miss. So, uh it, it was it really was a a surprise and LSU was unbeaten in SEC play leading up to that. So just a, a really head scratching result. Uh it, their LSU's road wins not impressive. They they beat Tennessee, they beat A&M by just 4. They beat Ole Miss by just four, and now they've got a nine-point loss at Vanderbilt. Nine and one in conference play, two and eight against the spread, and then Auburn seven and two in conference, five and three against the spread. They're three and one at home against the spread in conference, but they did lose some some games against the spread uh, to, to mediocre competition earlier in the season in the non-conference games. So I think these two teams are very similarly built. They're they're both efficient on offense, excellent offensive rebounding teams. Kind of the reason I'm going to lean with LSU, and that, and that's my lean on the side, is these are two bad three-point shooting teams. Uh, they're actually tied for 282nd in the country in three-point percentage. But Auburn keeps shooting like they're a good three-point shooting team. They shoot seven more threes per game than LSU. And then the other thing, I, I always say this, when you've got a close game, look at the free-throw percentage. LSU 27th in the country in free-throw percentage. Auburn 273rd. So it's a lean because I I can't really justify putting money on LSU after what they just did. Uh, so it's just a lean for me to LSU, but I do like the over. I think both teams get a lot of points scored here. Before I give my handicap, Dave Astor, I probably should have led with this. Uncle Dave, Diamond Dave is what we're calling him now. He started off this college basketball dream preview red hot. He does have a, lose, a couple losers now after starting six and oh, as far as the college basketball dream preview podcast best bets, he has a best bet. A listen here to Dave. Uh, Saturday, I love Auburn over LSU. I'm, I'm not big on favorites. Auburn should be about minus three. And my first thought here was LSU's debacle at Vandy was a result of a flat spot, but I don't think it is. You know, I need defense if I'm going to back a road team. LSU has the 11th ranked SEC defense, and they've actually played the softest SEC schedule, so that might magnify it. They let Vanderbilt shoot 74% the other night. Auburn is the best team they've seen this year. LSU is just 2-7 and seven ATS in their last nine games. LSU is super young, a super short bench, which is the way the pace of this game is going to be played. That's going to hurt them late. Auburn has lost three games at home in three years, none this year. LSU doesn't create turnovers, and they're a terrible perimeter defense, and that's a matchup problem here for LSU. You know, Auburn got it one out at Arkansas. So they come in here super confident. Auburn beat Kentucky here by nine. They'll beat LSU, and they'll take over first place in the SEC. So I'm taking the Tigers from Auburn minus the points over the Tigers from Louisiana. 
All right, that's Diamond Dave Esler winning since Moses was in short pants. Best bet, Auburn. He gets dis- This doesn't happen too often. He gets disagreement from me. But I'll say this. I'm, really, I'm not a fan of either team. Uh, I, I think both are overrated. Uh, I think Auburn certainly, when you're, you're you know lining up the two teams, AJ was mentioning on how both of them are similarly built offensively. Auburn does have the much better defense. What I don't like about Auburn is I think this will come back to get them in the long run and maybe even this game. Auburn's number two in the country in that Kempom luck factor. And what does it mean? It means Auburn's record, only two losses on the season, kind of a little bit phony, a little bit misleading. Here's how it is. Auburn 8-0 and in games decided by six points or less, including three wins in overtime. I, I can't really explain it, AJ, because you would think, okay, uh, they win a bunch of close games. they got to be elite free-throw shooting team. Yeah, when the games are close, and they can, uh, they're clutch at the free throw line at the charity stripe. Nope, number two seventy four in the country in free throw percentage as a team. I don't think this is sustainable moving forward. With that being said, that that's why I lean with LSU here. And another reason why I lean with LSU, I, I'll tell, I'll take a team off their worst performance of the season. And that was their worst performance of the season last night. LSU against Vanderbilt. I think they were looking ahead to this game. You had an LSU team that had won ten straight games playing a Vanderbilt team that I believe had lost 28 straight SEC games. Look at spot. And when you suffer a big loss like that, I think they'll be extra focused here. Just a lean, though, on LSU because, again, they're a team that I think has been fortunate this year. In that 10-game winning streak, they had won six of those by four points or less. Want to fade both teams. I'm kind of disappointed both are playing each other on this Saturday because I, I would like to go against both here. LSU and Auburn lean for me on LSU any closing thoughts AJ no it's a it's a weird game especially now with what you know what we saw uh last night I I don't really know how to look at this game so I'm kudos to Dave for for being ballsy with it because I'm not ballsy enough to throw any money on this one <laughs> yep again recapping Dave Esler best bet Auburn on this big game in the SEC on Saturday speaking of big games and one in the Big Ten here between two in-state rivals Two teams struggling right now, and we have a double like here. Both AJ and myself like both the same side here, and it's number 16 Michigan State at Michigan. Noon tip time on Fox. We'll call the line Michigan State a one-point road favorite, total 142. I'll lead the way here. I like Michigan State in this one, and to me, let's just uh, you know create the, the, you know, the reason why. To me, I'll take Michigan State off. Not one, but two straight losses uh, with Michigan State here off of Wisconsin loss and then a big-time head-scratching loss at home to Penn State the other night. And how does Michigan State do? I had to query it because it doesn't happen too often. I went back 15 years. Michigan State, when they're off back-to-back straight-up losses, they win that third game 68% of the time. For our purposes, they cover 62% of the time off back-to-back straight-up losses. And to me, on the other side of it, I have not had a good feel for Michigan at all. I mean, I've used them multiple times, not only here on the podcast, used them on straight out of Vegas, just used them the other night against Ohio State. Didn't work out for me at all. And I think the reality is, after this team had a lot of hype 
there's a lot of excitement around the hire of Juwan Howard. I had skepticism uh, when that hire was made. But they started off 7-0. and I think it raised some doubts even among guys like myself. Last 15 games, this is not a good team. This is a below-average team. 6-9 and nine straight up for the last 15 games. And, and maybe those initial doubts on Juwan Howard's coaching ability may, may be coming to a little bit of fruition here. So I like Michigan State. Hopefully it's not another Michigan game where I'm doing this. I cried. I'm not afraid to admit it. I cried. Hopefully it's a rare opportunity for me uh, involving a Michigan game that I actually cash at the end. One thing I will say, AJ, and I know no one will be talking about this, a lot of things going on in the Michigan State program, both off the field, off the court, and whatnot. I know for a fact Tom Izzo very close with Mark D'Antonio, the head football coach. There's been always a lot of synergy between those two. And, uh, you know, the former athletic director, they've had to step down. Those three guys were like all best friends for several years uh, with those guys being there, all, all being there a decade plus. I, I wonder, you know, with everything going on in the Michigan State football program, if that has Izzo distracted. Maybe that's why we saw Michigan State the other night lose at home to Penn State. A lot, lot more going uh, on off the court than, than maybe more than, than what uh, leads to the eye there. So that would be my only concern here. But I think Michigan State – it's just the more trustworthy team here with Michigan struggling. What say you, AJ? Yeah, you're going to get agreement from me. I, I like Michigan State as well. Uh, they've, they've won and covered four straight in this series, and they are, since conference play has started, Michigan State's second in office, offensive efficiency in the conference, Michigan 11th in defensive efficiency. And I think that's the biggest flaw with this Jawan Howard-led Michigan team is they just don't play a lot of defense. And, and uh, you know, Michigan State, Top team in the conference in effective field goal percentage on offense and defense. And there's a huge discrepancy in three-point percentage here. Michigan second in the conference. Uh, Michigan or Michigan, Michigan State second in the conference. Michigan 11th in defending the three. Um, Michigan 12th in shooting the three. Michigan State first in defending it. And then free throws again. Sparty 46th in the country in free throw percentage. Michigan 168th, and Michigan should have a. a, a they, or Michigan State also should have a, a huge edge on the boards. They yep. are the fourth best rebounding team in the country, and we saw again. And I get a lot of it. This will boil down to what's the status of Isaiah Livers because we just saw another example of what Michigan is without Isaiah Livers against Ohio State. The starters in that Ohio State game were 14 of 50. From the field, that's 28% from the field. Uh, Caleb Wesson just had his way inside the paint against Michigan. And and I expect Xavier Tillman to do sort of a similar thing against the Wolverines who have yet to find a way to help Teske in the paint. They've got to do something because John Teske is just he's a bad defensive player. And they've not found a way to get somebody down there to assist him against the other team's big guys. And. Sparty can win on the road. They they won on the road against Minnesota. They won on the road at Seton Hall. And I think both those teams are better than Michigan. And they've lost back-to-back games now. I think they can ill afford to lose this one with a road game against conference-leading Illinois on deck. So I think you're going to – and obviously it's a, it's a rivalry game. You're going to get Michigan State's best effort here anyway. Uh, but I, I think Michigan State's just far superior team right here and obviously just a, a huge coaching edge to Sparty. I also lean the under – uh, Michigan under four of the last five, and Michigan State under is 8-1-1 one, and one in their last 10 games. So both these teams have been playing a lot of under games. Michigan a tournament team? I don't know. I mean, they're one of the ones. They're in that group, Michigan, Indiana, Purdue. 
that they to me they've still got a lot of work to do. But I know everybody's talking about twelve teams from from the Big Ten, but those three in particular to me jump out as teams that still have they, they've got resume to build because oh, what they've yeah. done so far isn't enough for me. Yeah, especially I mean I know the committee likes to look at trend lines and trend lines not good now. The, you can use the excuse with livers. And I, right now, I'm just making a rule of thumb. Until I know the full status of Isaiah Livers for Michigan, I, I mean, I can't bet on them. Let's just put it that way. Um, and Juwan Howard's been kind of tight, tight-lipped about it. I thought he was going to be back and, and fine. He came back for the Illinois game. And, you know, I bet Michigan that game and ended up losing even that one when Livers did play. But he's been out since. And, you know, the, the last I heard from uh, Howard was that, uh, you know, Livers is improving. That's it. So uh, we don't have a lot of clarification there. And w- without him, we've seen Michigan obviously not do so well. So we're just recapping it there. Double like, both on Sparty with the coaching edge there. And I think it's a solid spot catching Michigan State off back-to-back losses. Like Michigan State, again, projection, uh, line projection there, Michigan State minus one. Another ranked-on-ranked matchup here. This one in the Big East. Number 12, Seton Hall at number 10, Villanova. A little bit of disagreement between me and AJ here. You know, I want to hear your handicap here uh, first because you've been Mr. Seton Hall for a while. Uh, We're going to call Villanova home favorite of about two points, total 139. This one tips 2.30 p.m. Eastern on Fox. Tell me why you're leaning on the Nova side, AJ. Well, make no mistake, I'm I'm still a Seton Hall uh, super fan as long as I've got this futures ticket in my hand. Uh, but I, I think this is just I think maybe Villanova for the first time in a while is is being undervalued. Uh, they're off back to back losses now, and I looked it up. I was trying to find the last time Seton Hall won a game at Villanova. 1994. Oh wow! Was the last time Seton Hall won at Nova. Carrie Kittle's sophomore season at Villanova. That's unbelievable to have. I mean, and these are teams that play every year. So, I mean, you, you've got to go way, way back uh, to, to base. I don't know how old you were then, but I was a freshman in high school uh, in 1994. So it's a, it's a long way back. Uh, so if you want to find a spot where Hall has gone and won at Villanova, and that's basically what you're asking them to do here. Uh, they These two teams, number one and number two in adjusted defense in the Big East since since conference play has started up. And I know every, the big knock on Nova is that their defense isn't that good. But since conference play has been around, Villanova's defense has been better. And uh, Seton Hall, a team that gets most of their offense inside, Villanova gets most of their offense from the three-pointer. Uh, my, my concern with Nova is they've played with seven players all year, I mean, who get meaningful minutes and it's I think maybe it's starting to wear them down. And, you know, Seton Hall, they're proven away from home. They've got wins over Georgetown, Butler, Xavier, DePaul, St. John's, St. Louis. These are all top 100 Ken Palm teams. But I think that, again, Nova, their home loss to Creighton, they shot 26% from three. Creighton shot 50%. So I think it was just a bad shooting night for Nova, a great shooting night for Creighton. And, the again, free throw edge. Villanova, number eight in the country. Seton Hall, number 220. So I, in a close game, I, that's always going to be my initial lean is who's going to make their free throws down the stretch. That, given the history that, that Seton Hall hasn't won there in so long, I'm just a lean with Villanova. I do like Seton Hall. It just seems like Villanova, we're finally getting them at a discount. Maybe. Uh, I have some concerns, and here's why I'm leaning with Seton Hall. 
another rare instance where you got a team Villanova coming off back-to-back losses. How do they do? I would think really good because I mean Villanova has been a team that, that's been one of them in Virginia as far as consistency last five six years. Probably the two best teams covering against the number at least coming into this season that was the case. Off back-to-back losses, Villanova last 15 years. How do they do in that third game? 42% against the spread. That was surprising to me. I thought it'd be 58, not 42. I thought it'd be opposite there. And I'm wondering because, you know, we're seeing Villanova struggle a little bit here recently. They're not that deep. They're bottom five in the country when it comes to bench minutes. They're not very experienced, this Villanova team. So I'm wondering if they're starting to hit the wall here. And now we're talking back-to-back games against two of the better teams in the conference. Seton Hall had that one, uh, you know, kind of game where it was a slip-up against uh, Xavier. I I get it. They rebounded, though, last night, took it to Georgetown. Seton Hall's got the best unit on the floor, in my opinion, that being their defense. And I'll take the defensive team getting the two points here. But it's a lean. I I hear you on the, 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 the pass history here. In this building, but uh, I just think this is probably one of the better Seton Hall teams we've seen in the last twenty twenty five years. Absolutely, and Nova certainly they're good, but they're not not nearly as good as what they've been the last five or six years. I I, I just think this team might be hitting a little bit of a wall here. So lean for me on Seton Hall. Normally, I'd be aggressive and ask you, you know, if you want to bet this. I, I don't have that strong of a take. Uh, yeah, en- I, enough I, for I, me. What, 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 I, where I are honestly, you at? I think this is just going to be a fun sit down and watch game. And if you uh, if you're a fan of Big East basketball, which I am, I think the winner of this game has the the inside edge to win in the, the whole conference. So uh, this is a game that I probably will watch even with no action on it. Big game uh, for seeding, especially for Seton Hall, who I think can maybe certainly not the one seed. I don't see them ever playing up to, to that, but I could see them maybe getting. If they continue to be hot here, they can play themselves under the two line, maybe. Uh, th- this would be a nice feather in their cap if they get a win here uh, at-, at Villanova. So just recapping it, disagreement from the guys. I uh, AJ leans Nova. I lean Seton Hall. I do not lean in the I, next game. Or Go ahead, wrap it up. Oh, I, I had one more thing. We were yeah, talking, yeah, we go were ahead. Saying it, they probably can't make it to the one line, and, and maybe they can't. If they, But if they run the table, they've still got opportunities. They've got both games with Villanova still. They've got a Butler game at home. They've got Marquette on the road. They've got Creighton on the road. There's still some some games that, man, they, their resume can look really good. I mean, obviously asking them to to win out the regular season and then win the Big East tournament is, is a tough ask. But I do think Seton Hall's got enough good wins that if they do and, and they end up sweeping, uh, sweeping Butler, sweeping Marquette, and sweeping Villanova, They've got a, an out-of-conference win against Maryland. I, I think that maybe it's possible they could get on the one line. Who are your ones right now? I'm putting you on the spot. Uh, I, mean, I guess, I mean, there's no there's no way around putting Baylor in yeah, as agree. one, even though, and, and San Diego State. Although I would argue, I don't think either one of those teams are amongst the four best teams. I Agreed. do think, though, that, that, that they will, if, this, if things stand the way they do, uh, they'll they'll both be one seeds. That said, if San Diego State loses a game, they're not going to be the one seed. They'll they'll be the two seed in the West behind Gonzaga. Even if they I lose think Gonzaga, a, like a, a tournament game, like they lose, uh, yeah, yeah, wow, they'll be a two seed. They'll be a two seed. Uh, I, they want to put Gonzaga as the number one in the West, 
And right now, you really can't with what San Diego State's done. So I, I think that if, if San Diego State slips up once, I think they'll drop to the two-line, uh, and Gonzaga and San Diego State will be in the same the same region. Uh, I guess the fourth one right now would be Kansas to me. Who, I agree. I, I, think, I, I think Kansas might still be the best team in the country. Uh, I, I do think that the... The team that really interests me, and they won't make they won't make it to the one seed, but I do think they're they're worthy of being a two seed if they continue what they're doing. I think Dayton is a legit title contender, and it's it's funny to even think that out loud. But you remember that I mean they went to overtime with that Kansas team. Both of their losses, in fact, yep. were against Kansas and Colorado, both in overtime. Uh, if they win out. And I mean, it's it's entirely possible. Ken Palm has them favored in every game down the stretch, um, and I think their lowest win, yeah, their lowest win probability going forward is 64%. Uh, that's at VCU. So if they win out and and then they win the A10, I mean, they're they are legitimately a team that that nobody's going to want to play. I can tell you that. But they've got one of, if not the best player in the country, in Obi, Obi Toppin, and then on top of that. They've got Jalen Crutcher, who we always talk about. You've got to have great guard play, uh, and Jalen Crutcher and, and Rodney Chapman, both those guys give them a, enough g- good guard play that I think this team is a legit contender. That's AJ Hoffman. You can follow him on Twitter at AJ is the real. Agree with you on, on almost every front there as far as the four teams. For me right now, if the season ended, Baylor, Gonzaga, Kansas, San Diego State, but <laughs> if given the opportunity. I'm sure, I'm sure the committee uh, it really only wants to put Gonzaga on the one line and not a Dayton or San Diego State. I'm just the problem is the other teams like a, a Duke is a team you would normally try to put on, but they've been. Oh, if they win out, like say Duke only loses one more game, uh, ooh, I think Duke is yeah, probably on I, that one line. I mean, if Duke or Louisville wins the ACC, that team probably is, is yeah. in the conversation certainly. I also think West Virginia is another team. They they probably wouldn't have West Virginia and Kansas on the one line. I mean, as those two would have to play at some point. Uh, but West Virginia is another team that that is going to. I think they're going to look at really closely as a, a team with a pretty good resume. Here's Although what, I don't trust them come come March certainly. Yeah, here's what I do think is safe. I don't think we're going to see a Big Ten team, a Pac-12 team, or an SEC team on the one line. Uh, Agreed completely. Yeah, and they—it's funny. The Big Ten will get the most teams. Yeah, and they—they probably don't. I mean, outside of Michigan State, do they have a real a team that you really consider a title contender? I love Illinois, but I don't think they can. I don't think they can do enough night in and night out on offense no. to win six games in a row. No, uh, I don't. I don't see a team in, in the Big Ten that can re, can really take the reins and go for six games in a row. I don't see it. No, I don't either. Any closing thoughts on that? I'm glad nope. that was a nice That's little off topic. Yeah. I like that. Off, yeah, sorry about that. No, you're good, man. You're good. I asked you the question as far as the the, the, the number one seeds because, I mean, there's no question. I don't think anybody can argue. I mean, stats back it up. I mean, there's more parity this year in college basketball than, than we've ever seen. I mean, we've had already tied for the most number ones uh, that we've ever had uh, going back to the 40s, and we got six weeks left. So it'll be very intriguing. Uh, me personally as a fan – I would like to see one of the little guys come through, cut down the nets, whether it's uh, the Zags, San Diego State, or Dayton. We'll see. I, I do, do we still look at Gonzaga as one of the little guys? <laughs> no, but I mean, I, I mean, they, they are up against. They the, don't fly commercial. All right, fair enough. <laughs> Speaking of 
Uh, well, these two will never be confused with the little guys. Let's just put it that way. The best rivalry in college basketball. I don't think anyone's going to argue with that. That's the next game. Just so happens to be also my best bet for the weekend. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Buy up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. Number seven, Duke at North Carolina. I brought this down a little bit, AJ. I think you're a little high on your line projection. I hope you're right, and it's 11.5. I'm going to call it 10 here on the Tar Heels, and they are my best bet here. This one tips 6 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. I'll take North Carolina plus the 10. Buy price for me will be anything 8 or above. Anything 8 or above on the Tar Heels, you're good to go. And if it's 8 or above or anything close to that, it will be the largest home underdog role for North Carolina in at least 15 seasons. I say at least 15 seasons. Why? Because that's as far back as the database goes, 15 years. And actually, they, they haven't been anything more than like a five-and-a-half-point home underdog, and yet they're going to be likely catching double digits here. Here's why. I mean, obviously, I like a team, a blue blood like North Carolina, in an historical spot there, uh, a market outlier. So that's reason number one. Reason number two, I think, I mean, North Carolina's uh, been the most overrated team in the country this year. But we're finally starting to see some value on them. The market's gotten low enough. They've finally adjusted low enough where they've actually started covering some basketball games. Get this. The first 17 games of the season, North Carolina was 3-14. and 3-14 and 14 against the spread. By far the worst team in the country, at least among the major conference teams. Last five, though, starting to be some value. They've covered four of the last five. They've finally gotten their all-star player back, by far their best player, Cole Anthony. He missed 11 games. The Tar Heels go 4-7 and seven without him. Why I think there's still a discount is they've gone 0-2 with Anthony in the lineup. But I thought they started to show some signs of progress in that last game. They're on the road at Florida State, one of the better teams in the ACC. They hung right in there. Anthony's a little rusty. You missed 11 games. You missed two months of action. Of course you're going to have a couple games when you're not hitting it, uh, your shots like you normally do. So I think it, with it being the third game back, more likely that he starts getting back his legs under him and back to where he was prior to the injury, and that being a clear-cut lottery pick. Uh, I think if North Carolina is going to be up for any game, I mean, this is a team with a losing record, not much to play for. It's got to be the home game against Duke. I do have a worry. Obviously, North Carolina's offense is really, really bad as far as effective field goal percentage. There's going to be a legit reason why Duke's laying the 10 here, but uh, anytime I can get North Carolina in a historical spot in a rivalry game, I'll take the double digits. North Carolina plus 10. Buy price for me, anything eight or above. What say you, AJ? You're going to get a lean from Uh-oh, me on North just Carolina. Just a lean. Yeah, just a lean. And uh, I went back and found the last time North Carolina lost its matchup by more than 10 points. 2014. So it's been it's been a good while. Uh, and it, it, Carolina's covered last five of six in this series. It's just hard to... It's hard to pretend like this is a normal North Carolina team. It's just been really difficult to quantify how bad they've been this year. 
They're 97th in Kempom. That's the lowest they've been since 2002, which was the 8 and 20 Matt Doherty year. So, wow. Uh, and, and you mentioned Cole Anthony being back. He's been 10 of 36 from the field, 5 of 18 from three, which is they both add up to 28% since his return. And I'm not as quick to you to, as you to just say, oh, well, his third game, he'll figure it out. I, I don't know. And I know if he's not on, there's nothing else going for that offense. These are some of their offensive ranks nationally. Effective field goal percentage, 329. Free throw percentage, 311. Three-point percentage, 321. Two-point percentage, 307. Shooting efficiency, 332. I mean, there's some really dreadful numbers for this North Carolina offense. And Duke is obviously – I mean – there's no point in us discussing who's the better team. I mean, Duke's clearly better than them at basically everything, except North Carolina does rebound well. They're, they actually lead the country in rebounds per game, oddly enough. But and, and I would imagine Duke having a chance to go into Chapel Hill and really embarrass North Carolina, they would love to do it. But on the other hand, I mean, this is a North Carolina team that if they've got any pride, they're trying to save this season. They know they're not going to a tournament. This is their national championship at this point. Uh, and it, another thing that makes me lean to North Carolina, Duke, is the bad teams they've played on the road, they haven't consistently blown them out. They lost outright to Clemson. Georgia Tech, Syracuse, Boston College all played them in single digits. Yep. So n- North Carolina's bad, but I think they can hang around inside double digits. So I, I'm, I'm, I hope you're right. I lean with you on North Carolina. Uh, boy, yeah, it's a ballsy, ballsy strategy to go out there with best bet material because <laughs> if if Cole Anthony's not right, oh, I want nothing to do with this team. Fair enough. I, I'm a lot of times some of the best bets are the hardest bets to make. Oh, no doubt. <laughs> that, so, that's a hard button to push this weekend, I would imagine. Yeah, but I mean, I I, I haven't had an overly great college basketball season, and doing some self scouting in the week in Miami. I've been a little chalky, so uh, I, I, it's time to start pulling the trigger on some of these bets that are really hard to make, and a lot of times th- those are those double-digit dogs that have clear flaws. I'm hoping the fundamental change with Anthony back third game. I hear you on it. I understand the concern, but I got to think if there's one game down the stretch North Carolina is going uh, to play to at least, I mean, uh, somewhat to their capability historically, it's got to be this game. Best bet, North Carolina for me, Brad. Powers lean AJ on the Tar Heels. Another good game Saturday. This one in the West Coast Conference, late on ESPN tip time here, 10 p.m. Eastern, number two Gonzaga at St. Mary's. I will project Gonzaga a three-point road favorite, total 151. AJ coming in strong here. You like the Zags here. Tell me why. I like the Zags because I feel like this time every year, people start trying to pick apart Gonzaga and they look at their record and they say, Oh, they're not as good as their record says. And they, they just start to think where are they going to lose? Why, why isn't Gonzaga this good? Where are they going to lose? And normally St. Mary's is the, they're the team. That's the team in conference. It, it'll, it'll expose them if there's something to be exposed. So it's, it's not surprising to me that the line is tight, but I'm a believer in this Gonzaga team. I do. Do I think they're as good as they were last year? no, but in a year where there's no Titan team, I think Gonzaga is as good as any. And they are 15-3 and three against the spread, 14-4 and four straight up in their last 18 meetings between Gonzaga and St. Mary's, which you might think, oh, that's a lopsided series. 
compared to the rest of the uh, the conference, I mean, St. Mary's plays with Gonzaga. Uh, this is one of two games left for Gonzaga that Ken Palm gives them less than an 80% chance of winning. The other one's at BYU. St. Mary's is 6-3 and three in conference. They lost at Pacific uh, in four overtimes. They lost at home to Santa Clara, which don't I don't know how to justify. And then they lost at BYU. And BYU took them to overtime at home last month. And then they lost a non-conference game at home to Winthrop. So this it's not like there's some elite home team. This is some you know uh, home court advantage that Gonzaga is not going to be able to overcome. The, my the concern for me and the reason why I'm not in love with this play is Gonzaga struggled with Oregon earlier this year. And when you look at Oregon and St. Mary's, they've got a lot of similarities. Uh, like tempo, offense, they're they're very similar. My my concern for St. Mary's here is. They've got a short bench, they, they've got no shot blocking, and they have no ability to handle interior scoring. And uh, I don't know if you've watched much Gonzaga lately, but we, even with Tilly out, we've seen Petrushev, the, the young freshman, who's averaged 23 points per game on 66% shooting in his last three. I think they've got a real NBA prospect in that dude, and he's just having his way with teams inside. And St. Mary's, they, they have not shown – an ability to handle interior scores. Uh, I, I believe this Gonzaga team is a legit title contender in a year where they, they seem as close to dominant as anyone else in the country. And if, if they are what I think they are, I think they'll cover two points here against St. Mary's. How much are you watching Gonzaga ba- basketball? You're in the central time zone. Like, when do you sleep, watched- man? Uh, I usually sleep from about 1 a.m. till about 6.30 to 7 a.m. All right. <laughs> Jeez. When I can. Wow. All right. I like that little dig. I don't know. Hey, Brad, hint, hint. I know you got a lot of things on your plate. I don't know how much you've been watching Gonzaga. Fair enough. I, I like you calling me out on that one. Uh, here's what I did watch. I watched St. Mary's beat me last Saturday. Uh, on this one, and I was very impressed because I thought BYU was in a really good spot. I thought the value with uh, Yoli Childs back for them, considering that uh, that you know St. Mary's was playing without one of their, their better players. Their third best player was out. He rolled his ankle. He should be back here for this game. Uh, I came away very impressed on the road for them, and they've been playing their best basketball. Five straight covers for the Gales for them. Just a lean, though, for St. Mary's. I am concerned Gonzaga does take this opponent seriously. I don't think it's a great spot for Gonzaga playing on short rest on the road here. Um, to me, it's going to depend, and, and the, maybe this total kind of says, because we're projecting this total to be 151. I, I mean, I get it. Both teams are very efficient offensively, but they do it in completely different ways. You kind of hit on this a little bit. Gonzaga likes to run it up. Uh, they're, they're a much more higher-tempo team than St. Mary's. Six straight overs for the Zags. And if you're telling me this one is played in the mid to upper 70s, then I have a little bit more concerns. If it's played uh, you know, upper 60s, uh, more in, in St. Mary's wheelhouse, then I, I like the Gales in, in a slower type of tempo game. So it'll be interesting to see who can uh, dictate tempo here. Uh, stronger opinion with me. I don't like either team laying a big number uh, on the Thursday night games, and we should clarify this. We are taping this on Thursday afternoon prior to St. Mary's game at San Diego on Thursday and prior to Gonzaga hosting Loyola uh, Marymount on Thursday. Both teams should win. 
nothing's a guarantee, but the both teams are laying double digits in that one. I would lean with both dogs on that one. Did you, uh, I mean, this is going to come out after. Uh, did you do anything with the, either of these teams on Thursday night? No, I I looked really hard because there's a lot of steam that pushed the uh, the total in the Gonzaga game down. And I, I it got to a point where, I was really tempted to uh, to take the over. It it, it, it opened, I want to say, uh, at one forty three and a half, one forty four, which is really low for a Gonzaga total. I think you worry about Loyola pulling their weight in that game, uh, but the, the number got pushed down to one thirty eight and a half. So five points came off the total, and and on such a low total for a Gonzaga game, it, it tempted me to play it, but I ended up leaving it alone. Um, I don't know if I can say this with like, with any guarantee. I may still end up playing it, so you may see a, a play come across the the board for me on pregame. But as of now, I didn't make a play on on it. Uh, I I think the number's too big, 26 points to give up with Gonzaga against a team that that wants to play so slow like Loyola. And if, if the game stays under the total, then then Loyola probably covers. But if Gonzaga just has their way, which they're fully capable of, the only reason I don't think they will. Is because, like you like you mentioned, they've got St. Mary's coming up on short rest. Obviously, a much more important game. That is AJ Hoffman up all different hours of the night. You almost feel like a vampire that stayed out too late, and that your your world is different <laughs> than so many others. <laughs> it's certainly different than mine. I uh, I'm not out that late. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Recapping it: Like Gonzaga for AJ, Lean St. Mary's for me. All right, guys. Stakes getting higher down the home stretch here. We have on Saturday a best bet from McKenzie Rivers NBA. That's coming up next. And then Sunday action, we have a double like. This one was really close to being my best bet, but I thought, ah, it's too obvious, the short home favorite. AJ also likes his team. We'll get to that game in a second. And also... Sleepy Jay with a best bet total in a uh, Sunday college basketball game. Before we get to any of that, though, the guy that's been winning, maybe call it beginner's luck. It's been his first appearances on a podcast as far as consistently giving best bets, but he's been killing it. Five and one, NBA McKenzie's best bet. He's going Saturday NBA action. McKenzie, fired away. Thank you, Brad. We're going with the Milwaukee Bucks. Projected line minus nine. I would play this all the way up to 11. Now, a few weeks ago, I gave you guys the handicap that the Bucks had a great winning percentage against bad teams, historic scoring margin against bad teams, but weren't the best against the elite. The Celtics ended up coming back and covering that game. This is the exact opposite handicap when the Bucks travel to Orlando Saturday morning. The Bucks dominate teams that are poor. They are 65% against teams with winning percentage, 35% are lower. The reverse of that, against the best teams, 65% are higher winning percentage. They're 50-50. And there's a couple reasons that explain this. Mainly, the Bucks are the fastest-paced team in the league. I was talking to Fez about the Niners and Chiefs, and I was like, power ranking, I think they're about the same. But against an average team, the Chiefs should be a three, po- three points better than the 49ers just because of the way they play. You know, they're going to score more. They're going to throw more. The, the Bucks are the exact same in the basketball realm. They're going to shoot a lot of threes. They're going to have a lot of fast breaks. They're going to play at high pace. Moreover, when they do have a lead and people are shooting against them and quickening the pace, the Bucks don't try to slow it down. They play exactly the same way. If anything, they play faster 
when the other team tries to run with them. So I love that. I love Giannis improving versus the Magic's Vucevic, who's kind of regressed. You know, last year Vucevic had his by far his best season ever at 29. Now, if you look at his stats this year, they're a lot more like they were three or four years ago. You know, a good player, but not all-star quality. Giannis is the exact opposite. He's growing in every facet of the game. His shot's getting there. And, and you know, they're just having fun right now. They remind me of the 2009 Cavs a lot. You know, with one of the best players in the world doing things no one's ever seen before. You know, they have energy for days. They can run for days. They don't slow down for anybody. I'm thinking they win this game by 15, 16. I like the Bucks minus 9, anywhere up to minus 11, Saturday morning against the Magic. That's Mackenzie Rivers, 5-1 and one on best bets. Any thoughts on that one, AJ? Boy, you, again, you, you're speaking Chinese to me when it comes to betting the NBA. All right, fair enough. No, I sounds love the like honesty. a winner, though. If it, come, if it comes out of McKenzie, it sounds like a winner. It does sound. This guy knows the NBA. And, and one more thing I forgot to yep. mention. The Magic are actually the opposite. They play their worst against good teams. They're only 30% against teams with a winning record. So it's kind of a perfect storm. I love this play. Coming in over the top, McKenzie, laying the lumber. You've been you've had a good call with some of the premier teams in the NBA. A lot of games featuring what the Clippers. I think you've had another game with the Bucks where you faded them with the Celtics. I like it. Finding opportunities on the marquee teams in the NBA. Yeah, it's funny. You think the the less watched teams, but I mean, I watch these teams the most. That's probably a square move by me, but I think I understand them pretty well. The Lakers, Bucks, and Clippers. That's fine. Then there's nothing with that if you're watching them consistently. You can find value there. So. That's McKenzie, who's really, you know, without McKenzie, we wouldn't be 58%. Let's just put it that way on best bets. <laughs> we need so him. We need him. Speaking of best bets, let's go to another one before we close out the show as far as the double like in a Big East game between AJ and myself. We're going with Sleepy J, big game in the American Athletic Conference. He's going with a total here. He's going Wichita State, Houston. Take it away, Sleepy. All right, guys, so my best bet. It's going to be on Sunday. I'll tell you, I had a really tough time deciding on the game and the play. So I decided to go ahead and play the Wichita State-Houston game for Sunday. I actually like the under quite a bit in this game. But my best bet is actually going to be on the Houston Cougars. When I went and I looked at Houston, uh, they look like a pretty strong home team. And it's the opposite for Wichita. Wichita has actually struggled mightily on the road this entire season. When I went back to the last game that these two teams played, Houston beat Wichita on the road, and they dominated in a few areas. Blocks was a really big key for Houston in that game. It really created Wichita to hesitate to go in on the inside, and I think that they'll do that again here, and that's not a good thing for Wichita because they simply just don't shoot enough three-pointers successfully. I think that that will hurt them in this game. Houston, they're a team that kind of plays a little bit slower of a pace, and Wichita, you know, they're a higher-paced team. I think Wichita ranks somewhere around 65th in the nation in pace. So now you're going to take Wichita out of their home gym, put them on a road in a place where, you know, it is a tough venue to go ahead and play. Houston actually playing very well. Wichita, as I just said, not a very good road team. So if Wichita is hesitant to go on the inside here and really bang and really battle, I find Wichita State probably end up on the outside shooting threes where simply they're just not good enough. So I don't think anything really sets up here all that well for Wichita. Both teams will have played on Thursday night. Not sure of those results. But I think Houston, the fact that they're ranked right now, they can knock out a win on Thursday potentially against Tulane. 
and knock out another win here puts them in a pretty decent situation. So uh, I'm not positive where this line comes out, guys. I'm thinking somewhere around Houston 6 or 7, but I feel the Cougars probably win this one by double digits and run Wichita out of the gym. So, guys, that's my best bet here. I'm going to take Houston minus the points by price. Uh, I would say all the way up to around 7.5, and and I also like the under in this game as well. All right, Sleepy J. AJ, you're in Houston. Any thoughts uh, whatsoever, Wichita State, Houston, whether it be side or total? No, my my initial thought in these UH games, and I and it was a uh, one of the last cuts for me today was the the under in the UH uh, two lane game. So uh, when UH is at their best, they're they're not going up and down the court. They've been sort of a, they've slowed it down a little bit more. So I expect that that's probably a good call by Sleepy. All right, final game, guys. Sunday action, a good one here in the Big East. Number 19, Butler, at Marquette. We're going to call Marquette a a 2.5-point home favorite, total 141. This one, noon Eastern start time on FS1 on Sunday. Not just one, but two likes on this game, both on the same team. I'm going to let A.J. Hoffman lead the way. You like Marquette here. I do, and I I feel like maybe Butler got a little bit lucky uh, in that first matchup at Butler. and. Uh, the year-long stats give a, a pretty big edge to Butler on defense, but again, if you if you look into what they've done in conference play, these teams are very similar defensively, which is, is maybe a surprise. Uh, Butler's been giving up the, the three-point arc much more than they did in non-conference play, and of course, that's what Marquette wants you to do. Marquette, top 20 nationally in points per game and rebounds per game. Not many teams can say that. It seems like maybe a letdown spot for Butler after the Villanova win, and an obvious revenge spot for Marquette. That that first matchup went to OT, and Marcus Howard played his worst game in conference play, certainly. He was super inefficient. And meanwhile, Kamar Baldwin scored 31 points on 40% shooting. Since that game, he's kind of slumped, averaging less than 15 points per game on 31% shooting since. If Baldwin and and Howard both kind of level out, Marquette's clearly the right side, especially at home. I I like Marquette giving two here. Yeah, you get full agreement with me. I, I love the scheduling spot here. I mean, they've been off in the entire week here. Uh, and revenge. I did That was one game. I know AJ called me out. How much How much Gonzaga have you been watching? Well, how much Butler, Marquette have you been watching? <laughs> I actually watched that whole game. Uh, I was in the studio with Ken Thompson, got there way early, and, and happened to watch that entire game while we were doing a show. And you're right. I thought, I thought Marquette was the better team. And Butler in a good spot in a game where it was must win for them to stop a losing streak. I thought Marquette was the better team and should have won that game. Butler just played that hotly contested game against one of the other Big East teams that that's in the upper echelon of the league, Villanova. That was on Wednesday. Love the spot. Love the revenge. Butler's been struggling. Uh, one cover in their last seven games. To me, it just seems too easy. Marquette minus two and a half. Maybe the line, maybe the line projection here is a little light. Maybe it'll come closer to four. But um, just the fact that it seems a little too easy for me on Marquette, maybe uh, you know some of those haven't gone so well for me. Brad Powers uh, so far this college basketball season. So that's about the only reason why this wasn't my best bet. I thought the heart of the two uh, games that I really liked was North Carolina, the double digits, so that's why I took it. But I really, really like Marquette here. And if I am laying anything under four, this will be a premium pick for me on Sunday. Love the spot here for the Eagles. Any closing thoughts, AJ? That's it, man. All right. 
Well, guys, that's going to do it here for the College Basketball Dream Preview. We'll be back early next week talking the biggest games of the week. Uh, let me just recap it, though, first. A.J. Hoffman, Friday night action. You can follow A.J. on Twitter, at A.J. is the real. Friday night action for him, best bet, Princeton. Saturday, we got three best bets for you. First off, Essler on Auburn. McKenzie, NBA, Milwaukee. Old BP on Saturday has got North Carolina plus the double digit digits. We'll cross our fingers there. And then Sunday, wrapping it all up, Sleepy J, best bet for him, Wichita State, Houston. Again, for A.J. Hoffman, for Mackenzie Rivers, for Matt Christensen, who's been very quiet as of late, I'm Brad Powers on the College Basketball Dream Preview. We'll talk to you guys early next week. Take care. Enjoy the weekend. Thanks for listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week.